When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Star Trek Discovery is back, and we're going to talk about it here on Positively Trek. I'm Dan Gunther. With me, of course, is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how excited are you to talk Discovery this week? I'm really excited. I'm glad it's back, and I didn't think I was going to be able to do what I did this past week and watch all the previous episodes from the season before the new episode. Yeah, I was doing it over work, so I wasn't like giving it full attention because I've already watched them multiple times. But over a course of two days while I was working from home, I had it playing as I was working. And, you know, there were times I had to pause it to concentrate on something or take a phone call, but I got through them all and I was like, I'm so ready for the new episode. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's very ambitious. I did not do that. I relied solely on the previously on Star Trek Discovery to get me caught up because, uh, you know, I've watched them like you multiple times, but it's been a little while. We had, you know, a few weeks of Star Trek Prodigy in there and not a lot of uh, coverage of Discovery because we've got that all paused to focus on Prodigy. And now we just kind of have to shift gears and switch back to discovery now i loved prodigy totally am on board with that series but i'm also really happy that discovery's back for sure because i'm looking to get some answers on the dma and all of this stuff that's going on yeah i remember watching the the past episodes and when stamen says we're calling it the dma i was like oh yeah i remember thinking i have a problem with that well i don't have a problem with it but Again, in my job, we we refer to something (laughs) else as DMA. So I was like, oh, that's so weird to me still. But what I really noticed is how good these episodes are this season. Like, I knew, I remembered that they were. But as I was watching each one, I would think, oh, oh, this one's a really good one. Yeah. And then the next one comes on. Oh, yeah, this is a really good one. (laughs) I kept thinking like, wow, hey, they're all like really good. Yeah, no, they've been really excellent this season. And I'm curious your thoughts on this latest episode. And we'll get to that later in the show. But first, before we do our review of the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery All In, we do have a couple news items that I want to touch on. Not not a huge amount of Star Trek news this week, but still a couple things that I think deserve a bit of mention And the first one I have on here solely because of the Canadian connection, which, you know, anytime there's a little Canadian connection in Star Trek, I have to highlight it because (laughs) it's nice to get a little bit of uh, home country pride here, I guess. But we have word from the fine folks at Eagle Moss that the next Star Trek Lower Decks Starship Collection entry after the Cerritos and the Titan 
is the USS Vancouver, which uh, you might remember from the Lower Deck Season 1 episode, Cupid's Errant Arrow. And it's a Parliament-class starship. It's uh, it's pretty beautiful. I like really like this ship. And we've got some photos of the model, previews of it coming up. And uh, yeah, what do you think of this one? Is this going to grace your collection, Bruce? My collection? I don't have any of these. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any Eagle Moss ships, but I'm sure at some point I will. Uh, but no, probably not, since I don't have any. This probably would not be the first one. If any, I mean, I, I'd have to do something more iconic for my first, right? Fair enough. I mean, I like it. I'd like to have... You know, maybe I should start with, like, one of the series. And just, like, right now it'd be easy to start with Lower Decks and say, hey, I got all the ships for Lower Decks because I can start off small. But I would assume that you're definitely going to get this one. I haven't ordered it yet, but... This is one that I really like. I actually haven't even gotten the Cerritos yet, which I would want, I think, before this one. But this is a beautiful ship. I loved it in the show. I love this model. Uh, yeah, the USS Vancouver NCC 70492 Parliament class. It's kind of a much bigger ship than the Cerritos and kind of more one of the frontline cruiser kind of ships. So. I don't know. I think it would look pretty good in my collection. So I might have to come back to this one at some point. Yeah, it's got that very TNG look, as the ships do, even the USS Cerritos. I like this design probably better than the USS Cerritos. I know, because I think it just has more of a traditional feel to it. Definitely a pretty one, and one I'm going to consider. I just, like I said, I wanted to highlight it for the Canadian connection, because, yeah. That's kind of fun. But, you know, every episode of Discovery has a Canadian connection since they're all done in Toronto. That's absolutely true. Well, the second piece of news that I wanted to talk about this week is a bit of sad news. And that is the fact that Douglas Trumbull has passed away. He worked on the VFX famously in the Star Trek universe for Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, he's known as a pioneer in the VFX industry, having worked on 2001 A Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And uh, he was also a director, including the 1970s classic Silent Running. So, you know, very prolific person in the film industry and a very sad loss for sure and there have been lots of tributes to him pouring out from star trek luminaries on twitter and other social media but i wanted to highlight one in particular which is pretty cool so terry metalis the showrunner for season two of star trek picard shared a picture of a graphic from season three highlighting the uss trumbull NCC 72370, which was apparently suggested by Mike Okuda as a tribute to uh, this very prolific pioneer of visual effects. So I thought that's a pretty cool tribute to the guy. No, I think it's a wonderful idea. I, another reason to look forward to Star Trek Picard Season 3. I'm already staring, starting to hear little rumbles since they're in production about it. But yeah, I mean, we're going to have to keep our eyes out for this. We need to write this down so when that season premieres, we can look for that little Easter egg. Yeah, for sure. Now, I don't want to take too much away from this, the focus of the story, which is, of course, uh, the passing of Mr. Trumbull. But on this image, I want to direct your attention to the left side of the image as well. And we see a ship called the USS Luna, NCC 80101. 
and we know that Riker's ship, the Titan, is Luna class NCC 80102. So, ah, we also see the class ship for Riker's ship here in this picture. Interesting. Good catch. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is pretty good. See, this is why I like talking to you about this stuff because you catch this stuff. Well, it's pretty cool. And like on top of all of this, the pictures from Picard season three that have been shown by Terry Metalis really show this amazing work by the background folks. Uh, we've seen, like we said in previous, we've talked about in previous episodes, the captain's chair and little details on there and all this kind of stuff. So I'm really excited. I love the crew that's working on this. And again, this little tribute is such a nice touch. It is. And you know, the fact that Douglas Trumbull worked on the motion picture, I keep feeling like the motion picture is coming up a lot often in things, just I, just from a historical standpoint, and we're getting the 4K release sometime this year. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was watching this little vignette about uh, Douglas Trumbull being interviewed, saying that whole sequence of Kirk and the shuttle pod with Scotty going around the Enterprise was something that... He basically directed that, you know, that he was just like given free reign, like, here, you put that together, you direct it. He made the decisions, there'd be no dialogue and, and all the, you know, all these things and how, how the pod would come around to the ship. And it's like one of my most favorite sequences of any Star Trek. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm glad I watched that because I was somewhat familiar with him and I knew that he'd done work, but I don't know if I really realized how instrumental he was in that sequence. Yeah, I didn't know that myself. That's really cool. So, yeah, it just shows the the fingerprints that this that this man has on Star Trek and you know, really what has made Star Trek last for so long. I th I think, you know, the motion picture gets derided a lot and gets kind of poked fun at, but it really set a lot of the visual language, I think, for what Star Trek became from that point forward. And I think he had, had a big part in that. Yeah, because he worked on 2001 and he said in this interview that he brought what they did in 2001 into the motion picture. And of course, there's a lot of comparisons between the style of those two movies of spending a lot of time on sequences and the visual effects, but that's the style they were going for as much as people call it the motionless picture or it's kind of slow. Well, that was part of the intent to give it that 2001 type of vibe to it. I mean, of course, nowadays, I mean, you could still do something like that, but anyway, I mean, the later movies, you're not going to spend a lot of time on that. It's got to go, 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 keep it moving, keep it going fast. But even if you look at Blade Runner, kind of goes slow and stuff and he was involved in Blade Runner too so it's just not that he made all those choices in those movies of how the pacing would go but it's interesting that those focus so much on special effects and spending a lot of time on them that they relied uh they put his their trust into him because it's so good absolutely and and that finished product really shows that they were right to do that because it's beautiful so Absolutely. Well, he's definitely a luminary who will be missed in the Star Trek universe. So from there, let's uh, move on to our thoughts on the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, and we will get to that right after this. Thank you to you, our listeners, for supporting Positively Trek and to especially our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to contribute to Positively Trek and be a patron on Patreon, visit 
patreon.com slash positively track. You'll get perks like early access to episodes and bonus content. And for those who are in the higher levels, you get shout outs and associate producer credits and much more. And speaking of shout outs, let's give a shout out to Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, and John Blaber. Thank you all for your support. Now let's go back to the show. Place your bets now. Don't miss your chance to score on Joanne. Oh, wow. Oh, Shakun. The most ferocious fighter this side of Felton Prime. Two to one odds are a steal, folks. Double your money now. So season four, episode eight, all in. And uh, yeah, we're returning to Star Trek Discovery. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about this episode. So, Bruce, what are kind of your initial thoughts upon watching this episode? And, and just generally, how do you feel about Discovery being back? Well, I'm thrilled that Discovery's back, having watched all those episodes in a couple days. And it was just, <laughs> I was like, really wanting to see what the next episode was going to bring. You know, I, I will say, though, I... <sighs> I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to see the whole, like them trying to track down Booker, you know, that Burnham's going after Booker. And I thought it was all going to be like, you know, chasing him around and, you know, a lot of communications from one ship to the other, her, her trying to talk him down, like, you know, book, come back to us, you know? And I was like, "Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but it wasn't like that. I mean, yeah, she just chased him down, but I love that it takes place in a casino, you know, and they actually work together to accomplish something, even though they're working against each other. And so I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, there was a lot that I enjoyed about this as well. And I want to talk about that for sure when we get there. The casino aspect of it, I think, is a big part of why I really enjoyed this episode. There's some parts of the episode that I'm not the biggest fan of, which we'll get to, but like nothing, nothing huge overall. I I also really enjoyed this episode for sure. So I love where it starts off that kind of feeling of urgency that we got at the end of the last episode where book and Tarka take books ship and spore jump away with the prototype spore drive and that that kind of like i said sense of urgency that kind of momentum carries forward into this one where we see inside starfleet headquarters and vance is looking for answers and where'd they go we don't know get the get all the ships chasing them down trying to find them and how did they do this they need two command codes and yeah it looks like it was yours sir and then that's when the president comes in. <laughs> and yep. I love the direction, the writing of that scene, all of that. That was so good. Pre- the president comes in and she is not happy. <laughs> no, I mean, she looks at both of them saying, you know, that was your man and that was your man. You know, <laughs> in so many yeah. words. You know, <laughs> and, and you guys are supposed to keep them in control. And, you know, I'm almost blaming this on the two of you. You should have caught this or you sh- your hand's a little dirty in this. Right. And mm-hmm. so but I don't need you to correct it. I need you to focus on something else, you know, for right now. And I loved how Admiral Vance comes back later to Burnham and says, do what you need to do. Right. You know, it's like I'm going to give you just the kind of little nudge to say that since you report to me and even though the president says don't go after book, I want you to do that while doing what the president asked for. Yeah, I got to say, I really liked Admiral Vance in this episode. I think 
the layers of the of his character that they're giving him in the writing and stuff is just wonderful he gives this kind of impassioned speech to burnham about how he just got his family back and the thought of sending them away because the person that he brought into the fold has put them all in danger just irks him and just he does not want it. so yeah like you said ruan tarka is his man right he brought him in he put his faith in him and book of course is burnham's man Burnham has vouched for him and brought him into the fold and now they've both gone and done this. So I love that kind of two sides of it where both of them are kind of feeling the guilt over what these other two people have done. Yeah, but you know what? It would have been better if maybe Grudge was the one that was going after Book or something. No, I'm just kidding. I was just realizing that we hadn't seen Grudge in this episode. That's kind of sad. Yeah, that is kind of weird. I wonder... I was I was going to say Tilly's looking after Grudge, but no, she's not because <laughs> we, of course, still don't have Tilly back yet either, yeah. which is something I kind of noticed in this episode a little bit. I don't know. I, I think probably what it is, I saw a clip of Tilly in a different episode somewhere on social media, and it just reminded me of her presence. And I did find that I missed her in this episode a little bit, which was weird because I haven't been noticing that lately. Yeah, you know, doing the rewatch, of course, I saw some Tilly, and then I saw Tilly leave, and I saw how Adira kind of fills the Tilly role on the ship. The young ensign mm. who's, like, not too sure sometimes and trying to get everybody's approval on how they're doing things and such. And, I mean, it's not the Tilly character, but it kind of fills that role, which made me think even more that Tilly may be getting a spinoff Starfleet Academy series. Yeah, maybe. You never know. I know we've been told that we will see her again before the end of the season. So yes. I, I hope that's true. I'm assuming it's true. They wouldn't say it if it wasn't. But huh, I am missing that presence for sure. But uh, it's interesting that you mention Adira kind of being a bit of a, a replacement or a bit of a kind of that same vibe. And we don't get Adira in this episode either, interestingly enough. We do get a mention of Grey being off on Trill, training to become a guardian. But yeah, no sign of Adira at all. Yeah, because Adira, I think, went with Grey for I think so, yeah. like a week or something and is going to come back later. Yeah. So yeah, it just it's probably just because it feels like it's been so long because the last episode was weeks and weeks ago. So... Yeah. And, yeah. you know, a lot of this episode doesn't take place on the ship anyway, so I didn't really notice it that much. One thing I want to talk about as well is Tarka and just how manipulative this guy is. And, you know, several comments are made about his ego over the course of the episode. And that certainly does seem to be the case. But one moment that I was just like, I've known people like this was where he was with Book and they need to get a hold of this isolinium to create the the subspace weapon that Tarka wants to make. And he says to Book, once you get the isolinium, we'll be in business. And he's like, what are you to what? You're just dropping this on me now? Like, yeah, but you're a you're a curry. You can do that. I just that that expectation that like he doesn't have to tell the people he's working with everything. You know, he just gives this little bit of information out as is needed to kind of manipulate them into doing what he needs done. 
oh, I hate that behavior. And I was just, oh, that was grating on me. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah, because like book is probably wondering why he didn't tell him before. Like, why now? Mm -hmm. We just hightailed it out of discovery. And now you're going to just drop this bomb on me that we have to figure this part out. Like, what else are you not telling me? What else are you going to drop a bomb on me for? It's like, oh, I just expect you will. You'll figure it out. Come on. Don't worry about book. Let's just do this. It's like. Wait, and oh, and you're just so confident. I'm just going to know the answer. Come on. You know, it's like, yeah, it's no. a little uncomfortable and irritating. He's so irritating, but yet so delicious. And I just say that mm. because I really enjoy his character. He's such a pain in the ass and so full of himself, but it's played <laughs> so well. I'll I'll get on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this actor plays. I mean, I saw him in The Expanse and he was, you know, his character was okay. But I love him in this. I mean, I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'd want a whole Tarka series, but it's like <laughs> he's so full of himself. And, but he's so intelligent. You know, even if he messes up, I think he would admit it and just say, but you know what? I can make it up. I can fix it. The perfect summation of his character was later in the episode where he says to Bucket, it's just a little throwaway line, but I love it, where he says something along the lines of, Forgive me if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, but you were right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm like, oh, you jerk. (laughs) Yeah, he's not used to saying it, so he doesn't know how to pronounce that. (laughs) Uh, He just has to take one more opportunity to remind you how brilliant he is and how rarely he's wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's what's so fun about his character. I know he could be annoying. I mean, if I had to be with someone like that, he would probably annoy the crap out of me. But mm-hmm. but maybe because he's so over the top, I would just be like, find him entertaining like I do now. So I don't yeah. know. So as we kind of alluded to, Burnham's going to go after Book. She's been ordered by the president to find out all she can about this area of space where Species 10C is. And Admiral Vance says, within the confines of those orders, could you also try and find Book and Tarka? Which, you know, that puts Burnham in a tough place, but it also, she wants to do that, right? Obviously, she's really raring to to try and use the knowledge she has of Book to find him. And they both end up at Haz Mazaro's Karma Barge, which <laughs> <laughs> I love this name. I love this guy, Haz. Oh my God. He was so much fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, the barge was so cool. I mean, yes. that whole image of them flying down in the shuttlecraft and there's this holographic image of a monster. We talked about that in the last episode where we saw the little promo for the season. Uh, there's a monster and they go flying into its mouth. Oh, it's just a hologram. And there's this barge and it's kind of this weird looking you know, barge on the ocean thing. And I just thought that looked really cool. And then to go into this casino and see Haas and they're like, hey, <laughs> you know, he puts <laughs> his hands out like, hey, you know, it's just like, oh, OK, this is going to be a fun episode. I mean, it's not like a funny episode. You know, it's not a comedic episode. There's comedy elements to it. But yeah, I knew at that point, OK, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and this Haas guy is so much fun. I love this guy like a Cardassian loves cake. <laughs> oh, good way. Yes, of course. Now, what species is he, is he? Do we know? Uh, I don't know. What species is he? I don't know. I just thought like maybe it'd be something where 
you would say, oh, we saw there was an episode of Voyager ah. in the fourth season. You know, I thought maybe it'd be something like that, but I was like, I don't know. No, but speaking of Voyager, okay, there are so many references to other things in this. The Devore, he, there's the Devore scanner. And the Devore were those people that like boarded Voyager and inspected them as they went through their space looking for rogue telepaths and stuff. So, of course, yeah, they'd have good scanners, right? They they inspect ships and stuff. Some of the more obscure references in here. So, first of all, Haz Mazzaro's sayings, like all of his little random sayings. I had to put on the closed captioning the second time I watched this so I could catch them all. And uh, I had written a bunch of them down, but I'm over here on Memory Alpha. And I just want to give a shout out to the people over there because they've gotten most of them as memorable quotes in here. Uh, So the one that I loved was when Burnham and Awoshikun arrive at the Karma Barge. Haas pops out and he says, I heard we had Starfleet guests, so I just had to scurry like a spider cow to welcome you. And I'm like, oh, the spider cows from the first episode of Lower Decks. Like, oh, is, yeah. That might be one of the first Lower Decks references we've gotten in live action Star Trek. Oh, man, that's so cool. I didn't even pick up on that. That is awesome. But some of these are just so nonsensical and great. A swamp cat could have learned the Horton hustle since I last saw you. <laughs> uh, and then you got yourself a deal, but you jab a Brussel fly and I'll scoot some green bread. Clear? And that's that's what book replied to with crystal (laughs) (laughs) we gotta Uh, see this guy again (laughs) yes i love him he's great and yet she remembers the way to his heart it's true what the alasians say give a man a tour back and you are warm in the desert i can so see a novel or comic that has this character and quirk together oh yes and you know and quirk's like oh haas yeah you're in your great casino. How's business going? And Haas is just like, it's going fabulous. And using these weird phrases where Quark is just like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, he'd just say back to Quark, as the saying goes, to the Suvlo goes the spud. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> and at that point, Quark is like, I'd rather talk to Odo right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up Odo because... Yeah. That was interesting in this episode. Part of the deal to obtain this isolinium, Book and Tarka have to help Haas find this cheating ring that's going on in his casino. And they figure out that it's a changeling. And when Book said, it's a changeling, I was like, oh, but like, not a changeling changeling, right? Like, like not the Dominion changeling, right? I thought the same thing because, like, we had a changeling in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Yeah, and I think, like, they call a lot of them shapeshifters, yeah. you know, but but they did specifically say changeling. The one in Star Trek VI, I think they called a comaloid, but, you know, I thought maybe it'd be something different, but as we see when this this changeling is revealed... They appear to be like an Odo type changeling. That's pretty darn cool. Yeah. When they caught the changeling in that little force field, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, wait. Oh, it is a changeling, like an Odo changeling, (laughs) you know, because it looked a little different. You know, it looked Mm -hmm. the same. But, you know, the the makeup and the way they're making the aliens look here, you know, 
I, I, don't, I almost said upgrading, but I mean, they just have a bigger budget that they're using, you know, and different people doing it. So sometimes they look a little different. But yeah, I was like, this is definitely a changeling. It's pretty cool. First appearance of a changeling since uh, the Deep Space Nine finale, of course, unless you count the holographic Odo in Star Trek Prodigy. But it was a nice little touch here. And then it had me really wondering, like, wait, what? what's the Dominion like in the... 32nd century what's going on with all of them so i started to wonder like all about that at this time now yeah i didn't even think about that it would be interesting to go back to discovery here and them address something with the dominion or mention you know what happened with that and yeah what are the changelings doing in the 32nd century i guess they're just mm -hmm. hanging out in casinos <laughs> well this one is anyway <laughs> I mean, Odo used to hang out in Cork, so <laughs> why there not? There you go, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting flip on its head, you know. Usually usually Odo would be in Quarks on the lookout for criminals, but this one is a criminal in a bar now. So, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that either. You know, how ironic that is, right? It's the flip of what mm -hmm. we, we got in DS9. The changeling is trying to get criminals, and now we have a changeling who is the criminal. <laughs> Yeah. So like we say, Burnham and Awoshikun end up here as well, and they're trying to get their hands on the Isolinium. They're kind of there under the pretense of getting star charts for where species 10C is, and they do manage to do that. But Burnham is, of course, also f trying to find book, figuring this will be where they come to find the Isolinium. And they want to kind of buy it out from under book and Tarka, so they have to raise some funds fast. And Awoshikun hits upon this idea because not only are there gaming tables here, but there's also like a fighting ring. Basically a no holds barred, first one to hit the mat loses, doesn't matter how they get there kind of thing. And Owo's like, I can do this. I can totally do this. And Burnham and Awoshikun just totally hustle everybody. That was brilliant. Like when I first watched it the first time, I was thinking like, oh, this is all genuine. You know, Burnham's like, nope, you're done. You can't anymore. And she's like, I can do this. Okay, okay, fine, go in. The second time I'm watching it, I'm realizing this is just all for show. And they're hustling it so they can get the 45 to 1 odds and then bet all their money and make all this money. And basically they're like, oh, we can take this guy no matter what. And we get Joanne, oh, wow, Awoshikun <laughs> taking to the ring. That was pretty cool. Both times I watched the episode, I laughed at that. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, I was like, oh, gosh, that's so great. I was the same as you. The first time I thought it was genuine. And mm -hmm. then the second time, it's like, oh, yeah, they are hustling. Because the ones they hustle accuse them of hustling. And I no. thought the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, they're just being accused of hustling. They weren't hustling them. They won fair and square. Like, it just happened that way. And then the second time, I'm like, oh, no, they really were smart on them oh wow <laughs> <laughs> yep so that was that was fun i gotta say this is kind of what i was talking about though i'm just this is just my character i'm not the biggest fan of like boxing or ufc or sports like that so 
you know, it was fun to see Oshikun kind of doing her thing here, but that's definitely not my favorite part of the episode. So but that's just me. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not into that stuff either, but I did enjoy this because I knew mm-hmm. that she was going to win at some point. Like, I, I wanted to see her take him down because he's so full of himself, like, oh, you're going to come back for more? Okay, you know, and the odds are so against her, and I'm like, she's going to do this. And I love her character, and, you know, we've gotten a few episodes that have focused on her quite a bit over the span of the four seasons. And this is the one for her in this season. And I mean, I just think she's brilliant. I I Mm -hmm. love, I love her character. I love how she's portrayed. And uh, I mean, we'll get more into it as we go through, but I want to see more of her. I want, I want her featured more. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to say later on, we get the poker game. And while that's all going on, we get a little scene with her and Tarka. And I loved that scene where she's just like staring at him and, you know, saying like, oh, you're you're doing this for revenge for someone you loved. Someone you loved is gone. And like just yes. just getting closer to it and just looking at his face change subtly and, and figuring this all out. And I love she gets right under his skin and we haven't seen that happen before. Tarka was like, like, I need you to go over there now. You're, 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 you're boring me. me. He's like, you're, you're boring, boring me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he was rattled. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. We'll get to it. That's what I wanted to get to. I just, I love that scene. I love how she gets uh. to him. And, and I even love that response saying that he's bored. Like he, this is boring him. Like, because you expect him to say you're annoying me or it's none of your business, but to say you're bored, I thought I might want to use that line in a situation like that where somebody's <laughs> annoying me, where someone's annoying me and I just say, okay, you know what? I can't take this anymore. You're boring me. Absolutely. And I, I just, I loved seeing Tarka rattled like that. That was terrific. I was so happy. <laughs> well, I like oh, well, on the shuttlecraft with Burnham earlier Mm -hmm. in the episode where she's apologizing of what happened on the bridge with Saru in the previous episode. And, you know, Burns, it's okay. It's okay. And I thought, you know, these are two characters that I think relate well with each other and would probably be really good friends. Like I would like to see it as the seasons go on that maybe they have a tighter friendship that builds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be cool. I, they, they have a very easy manner between them. I really yes. liked seeing that for sure. Well, <laughs> speaking of an easy manner between them, like you said, I love that we get Book and Burnham kind of working together a little bit, even though they're at odds in this episode. We get that in the bar when each other helps each other out in their kind of thing. But we also get that in this poker game because it turns out it's not only the two of them that are after the Isolanium. Haas has found a couple other buyers who are described as Emerald Chain holdouts who are looking to be the next Osira. And we get this kind of high stakes poker game to determine who's going to get the Isolinium. And this, you know, as, as much as the fighting wasn't really my favorite part of the episode, this was my favorite part of the episode. This was so much fun, this poker game that happens between the four of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that promo we saw before uh, shows Burnham playing poker, a brief clip of that. And, 
I remember at the time thinking like, okay, what, we're going to have Burnham playing a poker game to win something or whatever. But this was so much better than I thought because she's playing against Book, but they're playing against these other two, right? Because mm-hmm. we can't have the Isolinium get to these other two, but then they, the Isolinium can't get to each other too. So let's take out these two. Actually, now it just reminds me of Survivor. You know, so, so I also love Survivor. But it's almost like they formed their alliance and we got to vote those two out. And then, you know, then we have to get one of each other out to win. The whole little hand signals, the, you know, finger on the eyebrow and what, you know, just all those little manners of like, woohoo, yeah, oh boy, you know, all these little things. <laughs> How doing. are things in the intimidation game? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just like, it was just a lot of fun to see that. But, you know, you know, they're being very crafty, you know, at mm-hmm. what they're doing. And, uh, yeah, and then they, they piss them off and, both are gone and now it's just between the two of them yeah i think one of my favorite things throughout all of that too is that haas knows exactly what's going on and he's just loving it as much as we are he's just looking back and forth between the two of them and laughing (laughs) i was just gonna say you know we're we're haas in that scene right we're all like the same just sitting there watching with a grin on our face like yep this is gonna be good i'm enjoying this Oh, so great. And then, like you said, it's down to Burnham and Book. And then that's when things get real, right? So Burnham says, you know, if if you get this Isolinium, you're going to be incinerating every bridge. And Book says, well, what about the bridge between us? And she says, I'll have no choice. Starfleet will chase you down, and I'm one of the tools they will use to do that. And it's heartbreaking, you know, this is the conversation that they didn't get to have at the end of the last episode because book just took off and left that message for her. But now they're face to face. And I don't think book was expecting to have to face Burnham and make this decision. And I think Burnham is genuinely a little shocked that book still goes through with it, even though he's confronted with her and she's making the argument, you know, there's contingency plans as we'll see throughout the episode, but I think Burnham genuinely thought that what she tells the president at the beginning of the episode is true. That if she could get to book, she could explain to him and convince him. And she's maybe not shocked. Maybe shocked is the wrong term, but I think she's, somewhat surprised and very disappointed that she isn't able to do so. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. She may be a little shocked, right? I don't know what the right word is if it isn't that. But yeah, I Mm -hmm. think she's like, yeah, she is very surprised. I think she expected that she really could convince him that, you know, he will see logic. He will understand that what he's doing isn't right. She's just got to catch him at the right moment. You know, his emotions, maybe, you know, once he calms down about something, maybe he'll start to see reason. And she's found him far away at this location. She tracked him down and, that you know, he'll he'll come around. And that's the thing I'm thinking is, okay, he didn't come around, but he might in the next episode, right? Maybe she didn't mm-hmm. get him this time, but... Maybe he starts to turn on Tarka. Maybe Tarka starts to do some things where Book starts to realize, wait, maybe this isn't the right thing to do. And he starts hearing Burnham in his head. So Mm -hmm. I'm predicting maybe that's what's going to occur. Well, Book does win the poker hand, which, as Burnham 
mentions later in the episode she fully expected because Book is a better poker player than she is. But she apparently was able to slip a tracker onto the Isolinium and they know exactly where he and Tarka are, where Tarka's building the weapons. So I love that scene at the end where the president is basically laying into Burnham saying like, I, you were ordered to do this and only this. And I find out you're doing this on the side. You found a loophole in my order. But not only that, your loophole didn't pay off. You literally lost it all going all in on this. And Burnham's like, yeah, I expected to. And here's the tracker. Here's the information. Here's where he is. And the president, full credit to her, she says, well, it's not very often that people are able to surprise me. So well done. <laughs> I think that really is the key phrase there between these two. And I think it's that the president is always pleasantly surprised by Burnham, but still mm -hmm. feels like she's got to kind of keep a leash on her, just kind of rein her in a little and is afraid she'll go maybe a little too rogue, you know, and is just riding that line with Burnham. Like, you know, I'm the president. There's certain things that we need to follow. I don't need you going off and doing your own thing. I think you're great, but you're dangerous. I mean, we've heard that in previous episodes, you know, it's like you're a great captain, but you're, you're not quite there yet. Or we, I'm afraid you're going to do things that we don't need you to do. We don't want you to do. But yeah, I love that scene because it was like, ha, proved you wrong, president. Like I got, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but not in a Tarka kind of way, of course. I mean, Burm's just mm -hmm. very logical, like, and this is what I got. And here we go. And we can track him. We're good to go, president. Let's do it. We're all in together. And the overriding point of Burnham's being that, you know, yeah, she has deep feelings for Book and she feels betrayed by him. But that will not stop her from doing her job and doing what must be done. So like that was just a great punctuation to that point. And the proof that the president needs that, you know, Burnham isn't going to be emotionally compromised in this. She's still going to do her duty. I love that. Yeah, that was a great scene. Well, we do get one more scene where we find out that there's this big kind of Faraday cage type blob at the coordinates where species 10 C is. And they discover during this, that the DMA is not a weapon, but actually a dredge for mining a particular substance, boronite from all of these star systems. And I'm wondering, Bruce, did you catch what boronite is or, or what that links to in Star Trek canon? Oh, no, I don't know what it links to canon. I heard them explain it, but tell me. <laughs> okay. Well, I had to look this one up because I, I had a suspicion. And then I saw online other people made this connection as well. The Voyager episode, The Omega Directive where they dis they discover the omega particles that are being created by this species and they're incredibly powerful and when they explode they can destroy subspace and make warp travel impossible in certain areas the omega molecule is created using boronite saru says some of the most powerful substances in the known universe or something he's referring to the omega molecule at that moment so that's pretty cool. See, I'm so glad. I didn't even think 
oh, has this been ever referenced in Star Trek before? Maybe I should look it up. I didn't even think to do that. So I'm glad you saw that. I'm glad other people, of course, were picking up on that too on social media. So, of course, you know, what I'm going to do next is watch that Voyager episode now. Absolutely. Yeah, so they, they basically discover, like I said, the DMA is not a weapon. It's it's this mining dredge. And, you know, if that's what their mining equipment's like, what must their weapons be? So, yeah, they realize that Tarka and Book need to be stopped at all costs because if they destroy their their energy production capabilities obviously they're going to be very angry and we don't want that. So yeah, not good. No, not good at all. We got to stop book. So Bruce, final thoughts on all in. I I think this episode surprised me. I don't know why, but I just, like I said, I think earlier I just thought, oh, this is going to be probably an episode where they're just trying to track down book and they're chasing him, him and Tarka. But I mean, essentially, yeah, they, they do chase him, but it it was more it was less about a chase but just actually getting to them and then having mm-hmm. this whole thing play out in the casino and again i just love how book and burnham have to work together in order to go up against each other and seeing oh uh, oh wow <laughs> i love calling her oh wow now but uh <laughs> to see her character developed even more in this we get a lot more of her i loved it i in tarka i'm just enjoying what what a weird character <laughs> but entertaining <laughs> and like you said Haas oh and we saw Ferengi in the casino you know mm-hmm. working there so that was pretty cool because that just maybe got the little chills of Quark being there well I know he's not there but just thinking about Quark in a in a casino but anyway yeah overall I I really like this episode so I mean I'm not gonna say it's like the best episode of the season necessarily so I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it Four out of five dot twenty threes cleaning Culber's apartment. Ooh, yeah, and we didn't really talk about that scene, which you know might be a bit of an oversight, I think, on our part because that was a great scene as well. We see that Culber really is kind of at his wits' end a little bit and blames himself for what Book has gone and done. And I love that relationship between him and Stamets. And Stamets says, you know, you said you were told you need to take some time off. Let's go walk in some flowers together. Yeah. It was so lovely. On the I holodeck. And I was hoping to see the holodeck. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, they do have a holodeck. That's good. Yeah. I loved this episode. Uh, not my favorite of the season either. There's just some things in it that are just not my favorite thing in the world. That's, you know, neither here nor there. My favorite is still the examples. I love that episode so much. But this was a very good episode. The poker aspect of it was so much fun. And like you said, that kind of fear of it being them just chasing down book and it being a cat and mouse chase or something like that. I love the actual moment where in the bar, Burnham walks up to book and is like, hey, and Book's like, what? What? And I just, I love that moment. It's so understated and just like, how how the heck did you find me? And she's like, really? You need to ask me that? Come on. <laughs> right. So yeah, I love that that's not what the episode was about, but it was just more the fallout. We don't get this protracted, you know, oh, we, we can't find him. It's just, you know, okay, now let's deal with these emotions here and now kind of thing. So yeah, great stuff. Lots of great humor from Haas. I think he might 
just being one of my favorite uh, little one-off guest characters. Daniel Cash played him, by the way. He also played a character last season in uh, in season three, Duggan in the Mirror Universe. Played that guy that was captured by the Mirror Burnham and and she shot him in the holding cell and stuff. Very different character this time around, though. So he's a lot of fun. I meant to look up that actor because I thought he seemed a little familiar to me and I wasn't sure if I'd seen him somewhere before. But so maybe that's it. The season three episode. Yeah. Top marks to this one. I'm going to say I'm going to give it 4.5 bars of latinum one by Joanne Owawawoshikun in the in the <laughs> ring there. <laughs> I'm still laughing when I hear that. <laughs> it's so great. I love it. Just the way Burnham delivers it too. <laughs> yeah. Know? And then just that look that Owoshikun gives her like, what? Yes, come on. <laughs> well, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So please reach out to us, positivelytrek at gmail.com. Check out our new website at positivelytrek.com and find us on Twitter at positivelytrek and in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Meanwhile, Bruce, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And I'm on the Star Wars report. We're wrapping that podcast up. There's some stuff coming soon. So be on the lookout for that. And also I've been occasionally on Literary Treks and that's where you'll find me. Excellent. You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can also find me on youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions and, of course, in the Positively Trek discussion group. You can also find the podcast patreon.com slash Positively Trek if you are able to help out the show. We would really appreciate that. Thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. But honestly, the best thing you can do for the show is listening. So to each and every one of our listeners out there, thank you so much. We will see you in the next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.